And if I think about the thousands of candidates that I've spoken to over the years and that my team talks to on a regular basis and ask them that key question when they come to us and say, I'm looking for something new, why is it you're looking to leave your current employer? Then sometimes they say, I'm underpaid or oh, I want a bigger job title. But a lot of the times you could listen to what they're saying and bring it into one of those three areas, autonomy, mastery, and purpose. You are listening to the Green Business with Impact podcast with your host, Jasper Steinhausen. Hello, and welcome to the podcast Green Business with Impact. Today, we are going to have a focus on the connection between working seriously with sustainability in your company and recruitment and, and that whole talent part. Because this is one of the most consistent results I've seen amongst these many, many companies that I've worked with, chatted with, read about, that really seriously work on with sustainability in their business. It is that they have a huge, uh, either intended or, or just simply unintended value in terms of how easy it becomes to attract people and how you know happy and satisfied employees are with working there. So. I've been really looking forward to, to this conversation and hear that from a, a real professional in that space of, of attracting talent. So with us today, I have Alan Furley, who is the co-founder and CEO of uh, ISL Talent, which is a British recruitment company uh, that specializes in working with startups that are typically in that range of 10 to 15 people and in a scale-up mode. And Alan has been working with recruitment for the last 20 years. Uh, and last year alone, you guys held 15th of these uh, startups or scale-ups uh, secure the right people for their growth. So clearly, uh, well-experienced guys. So Alan, thank you so much for being on and welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks very much, Jasper. Really pleased to be along. I, uh, I woke up this morning really excited to talk about that intersection between sustainability, very much your world and what this is all about, and then tell of my world. I think um, Maybe it's felt important for a while now, but as we kind of come into 2024, it feels that hopefully sustainability is no longer a buzzword or a nice to have. And that's across all aspects of business, but definitely with the people that we know are so key to success. So yeah, excited to share my thoughts. Okay, well, I'd like to sort of kick it off by asking a fairly sort of open question, uh, but, but how important is the right team to a business success in today's world? I think um, if you just flip that question around and say, do you think that the wrong team is going to destroy a business, then most people would nod their head pretty quickly. So yeah, hopefully it, you know, it demonstrates that it's it's crucially important. So there's, there's so much data, particularly in the startup world that I live and breathe around the impact of the right team. If a business is going out and looking for investment, particularly if they're an early you know, pre-seed or seed stage business, or they're looking to scale, one of the key things they're going to be asked is their, is their plans to bring in the right people and the quality of the people they have today. I think, and, and, and that extends across all businesses. You know, I think high-performing teams increase profitability. Having diverse talent in your business builds the strongest businesses and, and really helps that innovation flourish as well. And, and we know that innovation is so much as at the heart of the whole movement around sustainable businesses. So yeah, I think you can you can link them pretty strongly in terms of the the right people builds the best businesses and, and really maximizes the impact 
I think everybody can agree that competition has just grown significantly harder over the last couple of years uh, with COVID breaking down that barrier of geography, not, not entirely, but at least doing something to it. So all of a sudden, people feel they can compete in a completely different area than, than they used to. And then with everything related to on the backside of COVID and with the war on supply chain issues and prices and all of that. But yeah, so very often people find competition is just growing. Um, I mean, could, could you feel that as well, that the, this desire or request for having these 18 players, uh, is, is, do you feel that, that that's growing as well? I think that's um, it's definitely recognition, particularly the last 12 months, that it's not simply about going from a headcount of 10 to 20 or 20 to 50 and using that as a metric for success. And I think part of that is realizing that if you get those A players, however that's defined for your business, and it definitely should be different for one business than another, they can have a real oversized impact. So being keen to hold out and find the three people that are right for you versus putting 10 heads in place and assuming that you'll you'll get to the same result is, uh, yeah, it's definitely something that people are more conscious of. You know, partly the pressure on capital within businesses means you're looking to a lot more from the talent you have. Therefore, you want to focus on those A-grade talent. I think also, as you mentioned, we're, you know, we're working much more virtually and remotely now. So in the war for talent that's, you know, been long used as a, as a phrase that businesses need to be aware of, clearly kind of where you are based as a company, if there even is a base, is no longer mm-hmm. such a factor. And so I think that does mean that I'm based in Bristol. We work with companies local to me, work with companies in London, internationally, places down in Cornwall as well. And on one level, it means the business in Cornwall, which doesn't have a strong tech population, can attract people from elsewhere, you know, from London, from Scotland, from Denmark. But the flip side of that is, of course, the people that are in Cornwall that they previously would have been able to access without that competition, they now have everybody from London to Copenhagen to Silicon Valley. The reward is clearly mm. quite different then with some of the business models. So I think that's something that a lot of people have had to work through and perhaps are still trying to uh, work out exactly where they stand on both their talent pool, but also how they really are clear on the offering to attract the best talent. I think it's interesting because remote has obviously been one of these benefits that you can add, right? Whereas purpose, higher purpose, uh, which is very much where where I come from, right? This feeling that, you know, we are changing the company to become part of the solution. Where where do you see higher purpose and remote and stuff? Where do they fit in and and what's top three, top five that that the talent is, is talking about when you when you engage with them? I think um, salary and job title are cornerstones of, you know, what someone looks for in a job and that hasn't that hasn't changed. But I think those things are largely acknowledged as hygiene factors. So things that you cannot be so far off the mark that you're not aligned with the market. And particularly the last two years, I think there's been many more candidates coming to us quite often senior candidates, sometimes those that are entering the workforce. And of course, they have a reality in their finances. You know, someone may not be able to go from earning 150000 to earning 50000 
but people are thinking, I think, much more intentionally about where they're spending their time and, and work is, you know, a huge part of that. So if I think about I don't know, the last five or 10 C-level candidates that have come to me asking for advice and being a bit of a sounding board on their next career steps, I'm definitely not saying that all 10 of them would be saying, I want to work in a sustainable industry, but it is for a lot of them much higher in their list of priorities. And, and, I, and I think so that kind of purpose and people not wanting to head into London nine to five, Monday to Friday, and earn a nice salary, but not feel that they're making an impact. That may be their own personal pressure. Maybe it's from you know the experiences they have waking up to the weather we face now. You know, maybe it's their peers, their children. You know, there's 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 so many influences there in a real positive way that can help shape people's thinking. But hundred percent, I think that's those things, the mission, the vision, the values that have always been a big part of attracting the best talent. We're seeing now for businesses that are in this space of sustainability and climate tech and you know, really strongly can speak to the problems they're trying to solve, there's a huge opportunity there to um, have a really strong asset in that war for talent that is in the same category, i.e., you know, purpose as, as many other businesses, but it's clearly much stronger for them and at the core of what they're doing as a business. Yeah, because we all want to have good questions when the discussion come up, right? Whether it's our kid who is, uh, yeah, no, we have theme week at school. What are you, by the way, doing, right? Or if it's at now we're at the dinner party and the discussion come in, right? And then being able to actually share a positive story rather than, I hope they're not going to ask me. <laughs> so, so I guess we're all looking to contribute to some of the bigger things that are also on the headlines all the time. So it makes sense. You know, and when we're working with candidates and um, we, we get to the point of accepting an offer, then don't get me wrong, you know, largely that crunch point is brilliant news. Jasper would love to offer you a job to work with this company and they've agreed to offer you 50,000 or 100,000. So um, at that point, you probably are talking about the salary and the reward and clarifying some of the details. But if you went back to the start of the process and what really attracted that candidate who ends up accepting the offer and celebrating the extra five or 10,000 pounds salary they might have got, the thing that brought them into that process is much more likely to be the intrinsic yeah. motivators. Spending the time, as you say, on the right right kind of things. Yeah, you got to make sense, right? Yeah, and I think we, um, if I think about my first years in recruitment, then the model was very much, you talk to a business, you put an advert out, it's anonymous, you know, it's pretty generic, and looking back now, pretty kind of bland and boring. Yeah. Most of the startups we work with, they work with us over a three, six, 12 or 18 month period. And as part of the way we work with them, we're retained across a number of roles. And there's a commercial benefit to that and commitment. But one of the things that's relevant here perhaps to share is that we can go out there with the company's brand and their story. And we don't by any means focus within sustainable businesses or climate as a space, but that's increasingly a part of our portfolio. And we see a marked difference in if we're going to market it and talking about the name of the business. And as part of that, can share their mission and their purpose. The engagement we get from approaching people and from people coming back to our advertising and our marketing campaigns is significantly different compared mm -hmm. to the businesses that don't have that strong story to tell in this. Yeah, area. that's really interesting. 
curious to hear if you have the same experience, but from my where I stand, I can see that this is not just for sort of so-called green tech or environmental uh, companies. It could be anything. You know, we produce shoes or office desks or whatever, but we do that in a different way. Again, trying not to be part of the problem, but be part of the solution. So do you see that as well, or is it more clearly defined to as a traditional green tech or, or sectors? I think there there is a there is a difference, but I don't think it's you know the the haves and the haves nots. So um, we worked with a business in Bristol a while back, a business called Kelpie, and they are looking to use seaweed and work with the material to transform it into a single use plastic placement. Now, if you looked at the UN's Sustainable Development Goals, they could quite clearly point to at least two of those and show that what they're doing has that direct link. So, of course, it's easier for that business from the outset to, to bring that story to life. But I think, as you've mentioned, whatever business you're in, you know, whether it's making TVs or trying to be really innovative in terms of uh, you know changing one material to replace something we know is literally harming the planet, I think you've got the opportunity to talk more broadly about what you're doing within sustainable initiatives. And so it may be easier for a business like Kelpie to have that strong hook out there but I think there's a need across all businesses to think about how they're telling the story around sustainability and how it impacts their business. And of course, it's not simply storytelling. It can't be fiction. It needs to be backed up with the action and the reality. And, and clearly that's where, you know, a lot of businesses will struggle, but everybody recognizes there's a, um, there's something here they can do that can make a serious difference, both in terms of the, the big purpose and, you know, helping the planet but also bringing great talent into their business and reacting to it being a lot more front of mind for what people are asking. Yeah. Let's shift gear a bit and, and then talk a bit more about, well, how do you actually do this, right? Because clearly there is a need for 4A players and uh, and there's also clearly some sort of link and, and it's a growing influence uh, that, that this higher purpose... Uh, a positive impact somehow uh, plays on on the candidates. How do you go about attracting A players when you are such a force for good company? And, and how do you keep them? By the way, I think the um, the principles are the same. You know, no matter what business you're in and, and what sector you're in. So we have an aptly named talent methodology that we use with our clients. And so to touch on that briefly, and and then to come kind of back to your question. So. Um, that has six pillars, T-A-L-E-N-T. Uh, so the, the T is around the talent planning, the A around the attraction, the L is locating, E is evaluating, typically the interviews. And then once people are in, you've got N for nurturing that talent and then T for the, the team retention. So whatever business I'm in, you know, I need to cover those bases. I need to think through what I'm looking for, attract and assess the right people and then retain them as well. I think... With businesses in this sector where they have the opportunity to maximize the impact and they have much stronger assets to talk about is in the a and the uh, the l so partly the attracting is around storytelling so if i'm a business that's clearly got sustainability at my core i can bring that to life through my career site when going out there and talking about what we're doing as a business and everything that's geared around that employer brand 
and being able to attract people, not simply for salary mm. and job title and not because of the roles and responsibilities in the job description, but because there's clearly that what's in it for them appeal. And then the, the L part, the locating, I think is going to be a lot easier if you're in this space. So that locating, it may be engaging with a recruitment company like us who will go and headhunt. It may be going out there and networking and, and leveraging your network of customers, suppliers, advisors. So whichever of those sort of pillars within the L you choose, the ability to be proactive and reach out to the best talent. You know, it, that's what the reality is that if we're recruiting for a head of data science for one of our clients, then you know, with 30 minutes training, you could jump onto LinkedIn and find exactly the same people that I could. So that, so that locating is the same process for both of us. But if I can talk about sustainability, which won't appeal to everybody, but for many people will be the hook that means if they've got 10 messages in their inbox that day or 15 people approaching them on LinkedIn, if I'm really transparent around the story because I've worked on that attracting pillar, my ability to locate and also, I suppose, engage and have a conversation with them is much more. So I, I run them through the same process but I'm able to, to win all those two key pillars, yeah. I think. Just to recap, if I get it correctly, let me say I'm the CEO of a company. We are 20 people and we need more heads as part of our growth trajectory. It's about defining what we really need and then attracting. What's the story? What's the narrative? How do we go, as you say, beyond that sort of old-fashioned way of just defining and describing the, the, the job, but actually creating something inspiring and attracting. Uh, and then it's a whole location part. Uh, how do you go out and find them? How do you match them? That's where the real effort is. And then the rest is, is more like traditional hiring processes. Did I hear you correctly? Yeah, I think you're right. And, and, and I think that, you know, once you then, you know, be clear on your story, and gone out there and, and got the people into your funnel, so to speak, you know, because I think a lot of recruitment, you can align to sales and marketing, then the the things you're doing to assess them should be pretty consistent. You need to define what an A player is for your business versus your neighbor's business. But the way that you assess those, the things that matter, you know, that focus on the skills and what they're doing in a role rather than the logo of where they worked before and where they mm. went to school, Whatever business you're in, those would be bad picks to rely on to try and find the A players versus thinking about, like you say, because you've put the effort into that definition and perhaps been guided through that by someone like myself, it hopefully makes that assessment much more. And, and I think that's where probably that sustainability aspect doesn't really come into that because there's a danger you could focus too much on the fact that someone wants to work in that sector and overlook the things that are always more important as to can they actually do the job? And, you know, I think they're going to make the impact we're looking for and, you know, and, and you need to decide yourself where you are on the spectrum. But clearly, if you focus too much on the fact that they want to do this rather than they've got the capabilities to do this, you find you've got a business of people that are aligned on your mission, but unfortunately don't have the capabilities to, to grow a business as you want to. And I think this is a really crucial part because, you know, several of the, the people I work with as a CEO or founder or owner or whatever uh, they call themselves, uh, are really committed to, to see the change in a combination of them wanting it at a personal level and strategically thinking this is the future proving this is where our growth trajectory is. Yeah. And I think that that can come into the retention piece that you touched on. So 
um, over the last couple of years, done some research and asked 500 candidates who had left a role in the previous four months, what were the key factors? And uh, the three C's is a nice way to remember it. So compensation, career progression, and culture. So, so many matters, but over the three times we've run the survey, it's always been number three rather than the top two. And compensation and career progression have, have flipped a little bit, but they're not meaningfully different. So uh, I think that clearly a business that's in this space needs to be able to articulate their growth plans. And that doesn't necessarily need to be about doubling the headcount, but how they're going to demonstrate that personal development for the individual, because that's massively important to keep the best talent. And I think the other thing that comes to mind is the culture. So I think most people would say that culture is important, but there is a danger that you could have a business that says, great, we're You've got a really strong purpose. We're addressing goal number 13 of the SDGs, but has a toxic yeah. culture. And the reality is that that business may bring people in, but quite quickly when they realize that it's a, a you know, culture that they're just not, they're not enjoying at all. And, you know, it's really bad for them as an individual day by day, but also, you know, not somewhere they want to be longer term. Then great news, you've recruited all these people, but you've got a retention problem, which means maybe it's good for a recruiter like me, but the reality is that I would be working with businesses that can keep their people because over time, those are going to be the businesses that attract the best talent as well. So I think you can't overlook or assume that sustainability and your bigger sense of purpose and helping to solve you know, the climate emergency is going to solve every issue around people and forget about the need to have a culture. And also for a lot of the businesses we work with, where maybe they're going from that founding team to starting to scale and bringing in people they don't know. It's one of the reasons why they come to us because they want to diversify their network and access different talent pools but they need to recognize that culture probably doesn't change fundamentally from the first year to the third year but it needs to adapt and evolve as they do as an organization so that they can still retain the talent they're bringing in what do they do the best to create that strong culture or to fix it if it's you know gone slightly off rail what are some of the things that you see that might inspire some of the listeners here to either what to look for or or what to focus on? I mean, we could probably do a whole podcast or a series of them on culture because it's such a, a huge topic. Um, one of the hopefully simple models that can be quite practical to think about is um, stolen from a book written by Daniel Pink, a book called Drive, uh, The Surprising Truth About What Motivates People. And he talks about three things, autonomy, mastery and purpose so autonomy about not being micromanaged and you know being free to maximize the impact of my my skills within a business mastery comes back to that personal development and touches on progression so am i getting better at what i'm doing and learning as i go and then purpose whether it's a purpose with a capital p you know a climate tech business or maybe for a startup in a different sector a smaller p and simply having the mechanisms to give their team feedback around the impact of what they're doing so they understand that they've done something with their time that day in year. And so there's lots of feedback yeah. from that. And if I think about the thousands of candidates that I've spoken to over the years and that my team talks to on a regular basis and ask them that key question when they come to us and say, I'm looking for something new, why is it you're looking to leave your current employer? Then sometimes they say, I'm underpaid or oh, I want a bigger job title. But a lot of the times you could listen to what they're saying and bring it into one of those three areas, autonomy, mastery, and purpose. I'm being micromanaged. I don't feel I'm learning or 
I don't really give a damn about what I'm doing. And so, you know, if I was running a business and, and it's definitely how I think about it with my business, with my team is, am I covering something in autonomy and adult to adult environment? Am I showing people that they are progressing, whatever that looks like to them as an individual and clearly having a conversation with them as an individual is key. And then do we have the right feedback loops and the right stories within our business that demonstrate the purpose behind what we're doing, either at a big top level or an individual level that they get that set yeah. purpose. And, and I think if you, if you've covered those and it's an evolving journey rather than a finite plan, um, you, you'd be covering a lot of the issues that stop retention, but also then allow you to really get the most from the people because the, and I suppose the final point is that there's no point retaining people who aren't motivated. So if you go back to what motivates people and either they realize that they're motivated by things you can't offer and that's probably a good thing, although it may not feel it at the point there and moving on, or hopefully you can keep the people that are right for you rather than everybody and really maximize the impact of those because you've covered this three yeah. yeah. Have you got what it takes to make sustainability profitable? There's a simple way to find out because I've made a quiz for you that you can take in just a couple of minutes and that will give you a score and some guidance to what next steps could be for you to make it even more likely that you will make sustainability a profitable driver of your business. So it's free and it's simple to take. Just head over to greenprofit.scoreapp.com. One of the places where when you really integrate sustainability into the core of what you do. Uh, so, you know, becoming that kind of force for good company, then all of a sudden, you know, it that part about the purpose, at least for those who are fit for that purpose, becomes so much stronger. And as you say, it's not, it's not just something like we have the narrative in place, we have the story. It's like, it's how we do. And, and we are on a journey to just get better and better at it. So basically, the more products or services we sell, the more of this impact, whatever that is, uh, if it's a climate discussion or a biodiversity or a social side, doesn't really matter, but whatever it is that you have sort of picked as this is the kind of problem that we want to solve, um, then then because it's not, it's not like business as usual, and then we have a lot of efforts around this, it's more like we're changing business to become the tool to fix the problem. So the more we do, you know, the more you get in. And that's where, I think that's why we see, as I said in the beginning, that it's the most consistent value or result that I've seen across these hundreds and hundreds of companies. It really is that, and I think now that you mentioned these three, that because we're changing the way we do, it also means it's a big innovation thing. So there's a lot of personal growth and development and the purpose just keeps growing. And then it's actually boils down to just a matter of autonomy. And a lot of this, if you are to succeed on such a transition journey, you need to set it a bit free because otherwise you, you won't really be able to achieve the kind of results that you need. So perhaps that's actually why we have this very, very clear pattern that those who really engage, they also get teams that are just really happy to be there. And they are able to attract people as kind of like, okay, you're, you're ready to travel so far for being part of this journey or you're ready to leave this kind of job to come here and I'm not even, you know, I can't even match your salary. Um, so perhaps that's actually part of the reason why and why it works best for those who do, who go, it's a wholehearted thing, right? It's not, 
it's not just something we do on the side. It's how we do. Yeah, and and, and we were talking earlier about uh, corporates, you know, and, and my world's very much the startups. And 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 if I think about it, there's probably two reasons for that. So I think that those those startups, those scale ups, they are a big part of job creation compared to maybe the bigger businesses. Um, and uh, so there's yeah, there's clearly a benefit there in recruiting with those businesses because they're creating jobs rather than remaining static. But the other thing, you know, more personal is because of the strong sense of innovation, you know, the, the energy I get if I'm talking to a founder of one of our clients and the ambition they've got to grow something, I'm clearly excited because I think I can play a part in that, but also because I know it's going to make a difference where I'm going to talking to people because of that innovation. And we work across tech startups broadly rather than being focused on a sector. So everything from fintech to femtech. But what's been pleasing is that over the last couple of years, you know, funding drives a lot of hiring and, and that's clearly been up and then down. And, you know, who knows where it'll be for X24. But because the funding is going to the businesses that have hopes for innovation, then so much more of that is within climate. And, you know, and, and that's clearly, you know, a good thing for all of us where it's perhaps it's not easy to go out there and raise within any business. But if you're going out there to bring capital into your business, to bring talent into your business, and, and innovation is at the core of that, then both in terms of the fundraising and the bringing people in, that's a really strong theme you can carry on, which hopefully will get your audience nodding their head that, that they have that in their belt to be able to, you know, to maximize the impacts of their business and, and you know, and really maximize the innovation that is there with yeah. the potential. Yeah. I just want to touch on one thing that I, uh, I thought about a little early on when you when you mentioned. Uh, I think it was probably the the three things about autonomy, mastery, and purpose. Um, there seems to be a lot of stories around uh, quiet quitting, and I don't, I don't know how how much of this is stories and how much is reality. But I remember when I started reading about it, I was kind of thinking, uh, you know, again back to this purpose, right? If you that you can fix people that are unengaged and you also see these surveys from time to time telling of hugely high percentages of people are unengaged in their work where all the time was kind of thinking well you know, just move into a green transition and become sort of a, a purposeful driven company and that will disappear are you seeing the same and how big is this quiet quitting is it mainly a thing in the media and the full social media pages and, and stuff, but or or is it the real deal? I think it's probably yeah a bit of both. So a lot of these terms are you know probably developed by you know a, a researcher somewhere and brought to life and and you know, have a strong PR thing to it. But they are grounded in reality. Uh, you know, I suppose on one level, if someone's quite quitting, maybe they're not reaching out to a recruitment company. They're sitting there phoning it in each day. But there's there's no doubt that a lot of people are thinking around well. Am I engaged and motivated? And you're right, you know, the data is pretty damning across a lot of, you know, the UK, US and, and Europe on the amount of people that are truly engaged by their work. So I think for some, that does cause them to shift entirely their focus. I think one of the other things that comes to mind is that we've seen more candidates coming to us and saying, okay, fine, whatever reasons, then the job I'm doing, you know, is is not exactly in that sweet spot of what I'm good at, what I enjoy, what the world needs. But 
I am able to get that through other ways. Maybe it's through mentoring, maybe doing some fractional or part-time work. I think that going back to your comments on the remote working side of things, that's not the same as flexible working per se. It's a subset of it. And it doesn't mean that suddenly everybody wants to work part-time. But I think from both a client point of view, being more comfortable not having a team in the office five days a week, Monday to Friday. And from a candidate point of view, thinking what are they doing with their time, whether it's 10 hours a week, 50 hours a week, or 100 hours a week of work, and how can they at least have a portion of that, even if it's not 100%, that they can have that strong sense of yeah. that from. And for a lot of people, that will be around sustainability. Yeah. So I think that's the yeah. part of it as well, is that it's it's not a you know all or nothing. And maybe for some people, it's a first step is working with an accelerator or engaging with founders locally to you who are building this space and learning from that is it the thing that's giving you the energy that then you take that leap of faith and you know and make that step into or is there some other way that you get that sense of purpose yeah. from what you're doing yeah it makes good sense good good advice when you're sitting out there and thinking okay i need to attract these eight kind of eight players there are different tools in that box right we've been touching upon some of them but just sort of wanted to conclude a bit in your experience how would you sort of rate sustainability compared to other tools that you could use to to become you know a bit of a magnet for for talent how powerful a tool would you say sustainability is compared to to what else is out there I'm not too sure is the honest answer, you know, so as much as I'd like to be able to say it's the, it's the number one thing and it's the only thing. So there's no doubt it's, it's an increasingly important tool for people. Um, and, uh, and different businesses will have a different ability to leverage that tool. I think it's, um, linking back into some of the earlier points, it's got to be part of the offering. And, um, but a lot of, how I would drive that if I'm, you know, running a business around sustainability is I may be thinking around the talent I need to bring in. I'd probably start with my existing team, you know, and I'd go and talk to them and understand how strong a link they see between what they're doing day to day and, you know, what the world needs, whether it's really clear from our mission or whether it's a little bit fuzzy, talking to people around you is a good way to get a better understanding. And, and make sure it's not all being driven by you. And, you know, I'm 45 now, you know, worked within recruitment for loads and loads of years and, you know, and run my own business for a number of years. And so I guess I'm from an era where this issue of sustainability wasn't front of mind. Now, one of the things that I could be guilty of doing is therefore assuming it's not important, but whether it's my team talking about where we order lunch from and saying, well, the last place we ordered then seem to have a lot of packaging and maybe we're not comfortable with that and just something that hadn't necessarily come onto my radar previously or walking down the street with my nine-year-old he sees someone drop a crisp packet and I would have gone well that's messy and he said oh they're harming the planet mm-hmm. and so I, I think it's about engaging with your your network whether it's friends families employees but in this context of business your team is a great starting point and asking them what is important to them and being able to use the information that comes from that to know how to tell that story to others that like them. Assuming you've got the A players within your team and you want to add to them, then talk to those people. And uh, and going back to one of the things that I think is 
hugely important with any business is that diversity of talent and not necessarily about people, what people look like, but the diversity of thoughts. Make sure it's not simply as a leader, have a thing that's in your head and the limits that that has and the bias that risks. Mm-hmm. Go and talk to your team and, and get a much broader mm-hmm. sense of opinion and work out. Should sustainability be the number one thing that you use as that hook? You'll track the talent, or does it simply need to be a really important part, but not something that you're relying on to, mm-hmm. to change the game? I think you touched on something really important there, remembering, as you say, who are you yourself and how important is, you know, this higher purpose, uh, the sustainability, helping to solve some of the bigger problems in the world. How important is that to you? And if it's not that important, then remembering that it is for somebody else. In in any sense, you know, don't calibrate on yourself. Uh, you need to calibrate on more than yourself uh, to make sure you get the right people. So I think that's really important to remember. And especially if you attract people that are from a very different age category than yourself, remember that things do change quite a lot uh, <laughs> in terms of what's important and what's up and down. Uh, so, so I think that's really a solid uh, uh, thing to remember as well. So thank you for bringing that up. Okay, I'd like to just end with a question that I know that uh, you might even think, I don't even know what to say here, but uh, but I'll ask it anyway. Uh, and this is how I've been ending uh, all the interviews in this season here. Uh, so from your chair, with the experience and knowledge you have and the way you work with companies and what you hear they say and what occupies their their space and how they're doing and all of that, how would you assess the role of sustainability as to who will be the winners in the business world going forward? I think there's still some very big question marks over that. And um, as I mentioned, we're seeing much more of our client base that are able to align to this space. And I I would love that to, to grow more meaningfully. I think that's, you know, reading yesterday about the impact of interest rates and that changing the time basis on which people are looking for returns on their investment. And I think within sustainability, there's clearly a need now. I think one of the challenges is there any return right now. And if people are finding the cost of money is is higher today than it was a couple of years ago, how does that affect their view on something that may only produce a return in 10 years' time? So that's, that's clearly one of the challenges that is there. Linking that back into the talent side of things, that's a... I think to watch for as well, I think, to people, broadly speaking, want to be able to demonstrate purpose from what they're doing, but there is a risk factor to moving jobs. So one of the things that a business needs to work very hard on is that they're not simply say, come and join us, we're a force for good, but in six months' time, that person finds they don't have a job. And and there's never any guarantees, whether you're in climate or health or even jumping on the AI bandwagon, there's a risk to any business and that's part of what people love within startups and what people find really challenging within the startups and scouts we work with. So I, for an answer your, your question, I, I think it's it's got a huge opportunity, but there's clearly some considerable challenges both on the, the commercial narrative, but also across you know, a few different areas as well. Well, like everything else, there's no sure thing. So, uh, so I think you're absolutely right. And uh, let's, uh, let's see where things are going. I, my expectation will be that things are going to 
move and change fairly rapidly over the next uh, 12 to 24 months or something because so much is going on right now and uh, both in the in the world and we can feel it but also in terms of regulation how the market is changing and everything so um, I think this is going to be a discussion that we could fruitfully come back to a couple of times over the next one to two years uh, because I think the picture is changing but uh, that's what it looks like yeah and the last thing that comes to mind is I know from going out there and talking to founders that are building, I can see their passion sometimes, particularly when there's a really strong sense of innovation at their core, a founder can get quite lost in the the nuances of what it is that's relevant to their sector. And so um, for any founder, but one in this space where they're trying to, almost by definition, innovate and do new things, and it's perhaps in areas that People are coming from other industries and aren't so familiar with simplifying things and being really strong on the storytelling that hopefully is a theme that's come across from a lot of what I've talked about today is something that you really need to work on for all of your business, but when it comes to talent as well. So perhaps that's a, mm. a final thing that comes. Yeah, that's a good place to end. So, uh, Alan, thank you for showing up. And just thinking, if, if some of our lis- listeners here are thinking, oh, this was kind of interesting, that Alan chat seems seems like a well-known guy, how do they best connect to you? LinkedIn is where you'll find me, you know, most obviously. So I'm not sure there's many Alan Fairleys on LinkedIn, but find me there and uh, and that's the best way. Drop me a message yeah. through. I, like many of us then, you know, when it comes to sustainability, I am... Um, learning across many aspects so i'd love to follow the conversation with people that are listening today and and see where that leads great all right well thank you so much for your time and for coming sharing your cute expertise and experience on this this area it's uh it's been as expected an interesting conversation so thank you so much for that uh and and then just uh for your listeners thank you for tuning in and please remember to hit the subscribe button and and then also if you feel like you heard something here that was interesting, uh, I would be hugely grateful if you could just spend like 30 seconds thinking about one person in your network that you think might find this episode relevant and then just tag them or share them with uh, this message so uh, so we can get more people uh, to join and to listen and to learn from from the great people that I get on this, uh, this podcast. So thank you all for listening. And Alan, thank you so much for being part of it. Thanks so much. Really enjoyed Thank you for listening to Green Business with Impact. Get more insights on circular business by visiting bwimpact.com and following Jasper on LinkedIn. Send your comments, questions and suggestions. We'd love to hear from you.